Hello and welcome back to the Raising the Bar podcast. It's been a while. Um, right now, the only host here is me, Emily, and um, going forward, I'm still looking for someone else who can um, kind of fill the place of Dawson because he's not the host anymore. Um, so if anyone is interested in hosting, being a co-host on this podcast with me, um, you know where to find me, message me on Instagram. Um, the schedule would be that we would be recording on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So let me know if that works for you. Um, so yeah, um, and the only criteria would just be that, you know, you have to be in the health and fitness realm and, you know, have a love and passion for training, bodybuilding, nutrition, this whole lifestyle. That's, that's really it. Um, just so we can stay on, you know, relevant topics. Um, but yeah, let me know if any of you are interested. Um, I'm, you know, pretty open. So yeah. Um, so to start this podcast out, I'm going to do a little life update. Um, and then I'm going to talk about the concept and the issue of feeling burnt out and I guess different things that you can do about it and how I'm experiencing it a little bit myself and um, you know just what are my thoughts and maybe you can relate to this you know I think I think a lot of us go through this um, at some point or multiple points and I, I think it's normal I think just not everybody talks about it but I'm definitely going through that a little bit myself. So I just want to talk about that. So first of all, let's start with the life update. So um, in, wow, it's been so long. I don't even know where we left off, but it's been, it's been a, a while. So yeah, so I moved out in August and it's been so nice to just have my own space. Uh, my friend from Canada visited and we had a lot of fun, kind of celebrated this new chapter of my life, you know, just living on my own and being independent. And it's just been really nice to have a space and a place that I, <laughs> a space and a place that I can call my own, you know, like it, it's, it's a first for me and it's, it's really exciting. Um, and yeah, so you know, at first when I moved out, I was like kind of in that honeymoon phase where I was like, this is so amazing. You know, like I don't have to answer to anyone. Like I can just, you know, you know, just be by myself. This is amazing. And I still feel that way. It, that hasn't gotten old. I like it. But at the same time, a struggle that I have is that I don't really have any friends in this area. I do have a friend that actually lives, you know, at the same apartment complex as me, but for some reason she like won't talk to me. And when people do that, it just, it's very offensive to me because I'm like, do you realize how that affects the other person? Like when, like, I just, I don't understand. And um, it's just been really upsetting because I had these really high hopes that we were going to train together, that we were going to, you know, cause she's into you know, lifting and she's vegan too. And I just, I got my hopes up that we were going to be like gym buddies. And I just, it broke my heart when she just stopped answering my texts. I have no idea. Um, and, you know, I think she's going through a lot of things, but the thing is, I'm the type of person where even if I'm on my deathbed, as long as I can see, as long as I can type, as long as my hands work, as long as I can think, I'll still be texting people that I care about, you know? Um, and that's just me. And so the fact that I would never do that to someone, the fact that I would never ghost someone for so long, just, it just bothers me because I would never do that to someone that I genuinely care about, 
you know? So that really upset me. And I've just been feeling very lonely. And um, yeah, she's really my only friend that I had in this area. And I thought, you know, it would be so cool. The fact that we live like, you know, walking distance now and she literally doesn't talk to me. So I'm, I'm done complaining about that, but you know, is is very disappointing. And um, yeah, so I've just been very lonely. And, uh, you know, I mean, my parents visit me all the time. I see Teddy all the time. It's been hard separating with my little guy, <laughs> Teddy. Uh, that's my dog, if you didn't know. Um, yeah, so that's been difficult. But, you know, we see each other often. So it's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I've just been like working and um, doing a lot of like learning and studying. And I'm, you know, I'm signed up for a mentorship program that's going to be in January. And I'm very, very excited. The fact that I'm, you know, now that I have a job, I'm able to invest a little bit more into my continued education as a coach, which is so, so, so important because, you know, you should always be trying to learn, you know? So I'm really excited for that. It's, I've been wanting this for a very long time. Um, by the way, if you're, if you're looking for a coach, you know, hit me up. I have, you know, um, availability spots open, whatever you want to call it, like feel free. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're wondering like, what are your, what are your strong points? What are your specialties as a coach? Cause I think it's important to know, um, with any coach, um, you know, I'm, I, I would say that, you know, vegan nutrition is something that I'm extremely knowledgeable about. I've been vegan for 11 years. Um, I've done it all of the wrong ways <laughs> and I have learned, you know, the right way that is sustainable and also suitable for people who are trying to build muscle, um, you know, eat an ideal, adequate, complete diet, um, you know, whatever your goals are, fat loss, muscle gain, um, you know, both, you know, whatever. Um, it's really important to, if you're vegan, to make sure that you are eating correctly for your goals. And I think a lot of people get very confused when it comes to that sort of thing. So um, if that's an area that you need help with, along with, you know, your fitness, and you really want to, um, you know, take your training to the next level, that's something that I'm also very passionate about. And um, also like mental health is extremely important because we can only progress as far as our brain allows us to. And sometimes we have to like, you know, invest into what's going on upstairs, like in our head, because sometimes that can prevent us from really like achieving our goals and like accelerating in our journey. And sometimes there's like roadblocks in our head, you know? Um, and working through that is so important because like, I think we all are exposed to a lot of really stressful things. Like, you know, maybe you're working a job you don't like, maybe you feel very out of place in your life. You feel like you're being pulled in multiple directions. Um, you know, maybe you just, a lot of things are going on. And honestly, like a lot of, that's when a lot of people will say like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, discontinue or put, put a pause on working with their coach. And that's actually the time to stay with your coach, in my opinion. Um, the only time I would say not to is if like it's a financial issue. Um, but, you know, I'm total. I'm very open and willing to, you know, modify the uh, financial situation so that it's something that you'd be able to afford if you were in a time where that was 
<clears throat> you know, hard for you, like financially, um, you know, because I, I don't know, it just, I feel like fitness and nutrition information and like improving your lifestyle and your health, I feel like that should be accessible to everyone. And it just really bothers me that like, that's very out of reach for some people. Um, and I understand why, like there's some coaches that charge, you know, 350 plus um, dollars a month. And um, for some people, you know, you add that up over the course of a long time. And like, that's, that's a huge percentage of their paycheck. Okay. <laughs> and for people who, you know, that's just, you know, not a huge percentage of their paycheck. I mean, like, that's just leaving out a lot of people who have goals and like literally can't afford it. And when I say this, I'm not talking about the people who say that they can't afford it, but they, they can, you know, but they're, you know, they're blowing their money on like alcohol and, you know, crappy food and like going out to eat all the time and buying like, you know, all the new, I don't know, technology and clothes all the time. Um, you know, like I am the person, I am the person who like, you know, actually used to not be able to afford anything because I like didn't even have a job, you know? <laughs> so, but, or if you maybe got laid off from your job or say your job pays very little, um, you know, I can understand that for sure. So, you know, if that's the case for you, we can totally work something out. Um, Cause I don't believe that fitness and nutrition and all this stuff should be off limits to people who can't even afford it. Like that's, that's cruelty. That's cruelty. I'm sorry. And I'm not, I am not going to participate in that part of the fitness industry that, you know, cancels people who literally can't afford it. That, that fucks me up because I've been there and I used to cry about it. I used to like, cause I would go to the gym when I was a newbie and I would try to teach myself this shit from like YouTube videos. And, um, I was afraid I was going to get hurt. I mean, I obviously wasn't cause I wasn't even lifting that heavy. And if you feel that way, you're probably not going to get hurt because you're probably not lifting heavy enough to get hurt. But the fear is real though. And like, it's just, it's very hard when you see people in the gym who know what they're doing and you have no idea what you're doing. And you would literally like, you know, chop off your own foot if you could to, to afford a coach, uh, you know, and sell it on eBay. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, I understand I've been there. And then I would come home and I would cry because I'm like, I just, I wish I could afford this. I know this would change me. Like this would change my life. This is what I need, but I can't, I literally don't have the money. And then you go online and you see these Instagram coaches and they're saying, you just need to invest in yourself. You just need to prioritize yourself. And it's like, oh my God, give me a break. If I could, like take my fucking money, but I don't have anything to invest. And the people that say that I'm like, you do not realize how privileged you are. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. You've never experienced some of these things. And then some of these people will say, oh, but I did. And I overcame it. I, you know, I came from poverty and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's, that's very inspirational. And that's, that's incredible. And I'm so happy for you. But what you don't understand is that there are some people out there who could have made all of the same moves that you did. And you still probably had a little help along the way somewhere. Even if you say that you didn't, even if you say that you did this all on your own, there was something that was outside external that helped you. You maybe knew more people. You maybe um, had certain people in your life who were open to 
working with you, you maybe had more contacts or friends or family members or um, someone in your family. Like there's just so many things that people say like, you know, oh, I did this all on my own, but you, you probably mostly did, but somewhere along the way you were, you know, given a little, a little something and not everyone has that happen where something falls into place. Some people can be fighting and scraping and just scraping by and just, you know, doing literally all of the things. And like it, the fruit doesn't grow on the tree. Okay. Uh, and it might eventually, but you know, it, it may take them like 20 times as long as so-and-so. And that doesn't mean that they're not working as hard, if not harder. It's just you don't see the struggles that they have. And it's just so privileged and obnoxious for coaches to be like, just invest, just invest in yourself. It's like, do you even know how little I have in my bank account to my name? And then it's like, oh, just get a job, just get a job. Like, ugh, you don't think I've been trying for the last like 12 years? Really? Have you ever had a mental illness prevent you from getting a job and keeping it? Really? And it's just like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to go off on a tangent there, but I just, there's so many reasons why people are struggling financially and who the fuck are you or any, who is any, who, who am I, who is anyone to say, you know, like just invest in yourself. First of all, don't, don't tell people how to spend their money. Second of all, don't even assume they have the money to do that. Like what? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done ranting about that, but you know, it's just something that bothers me. And that's why I don't charge like a stupid, ridiculous amount for my coaching services. You know, the more that I do invest like financially into my own knowledge, I do increase my price a little bit, but my pricing is kind of like a range because I know that there are some people who really cannot afford it. And I want to make it accessible to those people. So it's a little bit of a sliding scale, but regardless, like the, the help, the, um, you know, the support that you get everything that I, you know, it's always the same for each person, you know, all across the board. It's not like someone gets a better, you know, um, coaching experience than someone else. Like every, it's all, you know, everyone is treated very, very well. It's just that like what someone can afford can vary a lot. So, you know, I'm very flexible with that because I understand and I've been there. So, okay. Rant over. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm not really sure what else to update on as far as my life goes. I mean, I've been kind of thinking about like, maybe, you know, what are my long-term career goals? You know, obviously full-time coaching, hell yes, that is my long-term career goal, but I'm very far from that because, you know, people come and go and that that's fine. That's just the nature of the coaching business, you know? Um, and I love coaching so much that I really don't do it for the money at all. Like if I could do this shit for free, I would, I would. Um, but you know, and I have a job that like, you know, like a full-time job that supports me. So, um, yeah, but obviously I don't do coaching for free. I did in the beginning, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to build my roster of clients at the moment. And so the thought of full-time coaching is just so far away. So, but it, it's, I'm, I plan to, you know, at some point when I can, but it's just, you know, I need a stable income for a very long time till I get to that point. So 
um, for the time being, you know, I am working, but um, I'm also kind of thinking what like long term, like what else is there out there? Like, what am I truly passionate about? And something I'm really passionate about is like, well, mental health. Um, you've, you've probably you can probably tell based on the things I talk about. Um, and yeah, I'm very passionate about mental health. I'm very passionate about, you know, full recovery from eating disorders because, um, you know, I used to not believe that that was possible and um, it is. And what full recovery is um, can be a little bit different for each person. Um, and, you know, I mean, in my opinion, full recovery just means that you don't have any eating disorder behaviors or urges um, or tendencies or anything like that. But I will say that doesn't mean that you don't like a, a thought doesn't pop into your head every now and then. Um, it doesn't mean that you still have an eating disorder because if it's just, a, sometimes it's just a passing thought, you know, it goes in one ear and right out the other, you know, and it doesn't make you feel any sort of emotion, you know, it's just a thought and then you notice it and then it leaves and then you forget about it. Like for me, sometimes I have that, you know, and I still consider myself 100%, 150% recovered, you know, like every now and then I have a random thought. Cause you know, I live, I live, you know, by myself and every now and then I have a thought and I'm just like, you know, and it's, it's not like the thought it has any emotions attached. It's like an empty thought where I'm just, I just, I just hear the thought while I observe it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, so, uh, you know, like the other day I was just sitting on the couch and I was like, I could eat my whole kitchen. I could eat my whole kitchen. And then I was like, bitch, no, you no, you're not. <laughs> it was like, I, and I laugh at it because I'm like, I like, I know I would never do that, but you know, it's kind of like an intrusive thought, you know? And it's like, well, I've had an eating disorder for 12 years and like, yeah, I've been recovered for several years. So that's why these are just thoughts, you know? it just pops into my head, you know? Um, or like every now and then I'll get a thought of like, oh, I could just have one extra bite of this or that. And um, I don't, I generally don't do that, you know, like, because, you know, in the past that was a slippery slope for me. And even though I know it wouldn't cause me any, you know, problems, I just choose not to go down that path because I feel, I view that as a sign of self-respect to not, not even take a risk there you know, every now and then, you know, if I'm, cause I'm cutting. So sometimes I get really hungry, like, especially at night. And, um, so, you know, if I need to just have a few slices of like pickles or something and just not track it, you know, I do that every occasionally, not all the time, you know, maybe just if, if it gets rough, you know, but, um, you know, if I, but, you know, the other day I was just sitting on the couch and I'm just like, I could, I, I bought this like new, like vegan jerky that I was really excited about. And like the ingredients are great. The macros are great, whatever. And my, I just caught my brain going, oh, I could just have one bite. And then I was like, and I had eaten all my food for the day. So like, I couldn't really, that would be extra. Um, and I could have had it, you know, but I just, I said to myself, I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I just have too many, you know, memories of, doing that when I was younger and actually had an eating disorder. And, um, you know, I would say, oh, I'm just going to have one bite. And I'd be, before you know it, mm -mm, it was not just one bite. Let me tell you. And I just have too many, you know, memories of just standing at the counter and just shoving my face with food and the, 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 the refrigerator. And uh, it all started with, oh, I'm just going to have one bite, you know? And um, like I said, do I feel that I would do that now? No, no, not at all. I, I have very good you know, I don't want to say control over myself. Cause you know, the word control, like, um, 
I think if you've had an eating disorder, like that's a very a word that is used a lot, like, oh, it's all about control. So when I say that, I don't mean it in that way. I just mean it in the sense of like, I just know I wouldn't do that. You know, a lot of time has passed. I've grown a lot as a person. Um, and, you know, even though I'm cutting, I still have a pretty good relationship with food. I don't even have a relationship with food. Food is not an entity. Um, you know, I don't know. But with that being said, cutting is very difficult for me. I think it's difficult for a lot of people, but it's more difficult for some people than others. Um, and for me, I've, I don't think I've ever experienced the feeling of like feeling burnt out in a growing phase or maintenance phase, but I've been cutting for a while now and, um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing it the right way. Like, it's just that it's still hard, you know, like for a while I was breezing through, it was great. Um, I felt amazing, but you know, what, what's hard for me is like when I'm close to getting my period and I'm cutting. Because when I'm close to getting my period, I usually don't train until I get it and it's passed because leading up to it, I just don't like my coordination is off. Like I, my energy is low. I get out of breath really easily. Um, and yeah, I just, the, the training sessions aren't the most productive, you know, when I'm like really close to getting my period. So, and because, you know, that part of the cycle is very stressful on the body. I like to just take some extra days off just to, you know, reduce that stress a little bit and just allow much more recovery. Um, that's what I like to do. Um, and you know, it also helps to minimize the symptoms sometimes. So it's kind of a win-win with that, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's very difficult for me because then on my rest days, I have lower food because I'm not moving as much. I'm not training. Um, and so, but during this part of my cycle, I am hungrier. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's really tough. And, um, you know, I've just, I've just been feeling very, I don't know. I've just been having a lot of like questioning thoughts. And sometimes I get these feelings and thoughts when I'm close to getting my period anyway, not about, you know, feel the burnt out thing, but just, my entire life, like, you know, I'll be like, I just, I want to move. Like every time I'm close to getting my period, I'm like, I want to move right now. I want to move to Hawaii. I want to move to Florida right now. And don't get me wrong. That is a goal of mine. And I think about that like, um, all the time, even when I'm not close to getting my period, but it gets way more intense or like, I can't drive past a cemetery without sobbing because I'm like, I, I just want to live an amazing kick-ass life before I have to go there. And I'll just start sobbing in my car on the way to work. And then I pull into work and I'm like, dude, you can't be doing this. Like you can't, you can't be crying on the way to work. You have to go in there and function and like not act like this, you know? And obviously I'll, you know, take a, a take a minute, like calm down, wipe the tears off my face and, you know, and then go into work and I'm all, you know, cool and collected and keep my composure and professional, you know, but you know, when this happens, it's just like, wow, like this sucks. <laughs> um, but then when you throw in, you know, being towards the end of a cut and like, you know, in a calorie deficit and like my food is a bit lower and it's not like, it's not like super low, you know, but it, it's low for me. Um, and so, yeah. So then I just kind of get into this place of like, I start questioning things and for a while, like I've been thinking like, you know, 
I, I, I really, I really want to practice intuitive eating, but then that goes against the fact that I also want to build a lot of muscle. <laughs> and, um, cause the plan after my cut is to reverse and then go into a building phase. However, I, because I've been struggling a lot towards the end of this cut, I'm, I've been like, do I really want to build again only to put on, you know, body fat that I will just have to do this all this cut all over again to lose. And I know, you know, not all cut is cuts are the same, you know, there's other options like a mini cut, which is like way less time, just a bit more aggressive, um, you know, things like that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not against cutting obviously, but you know, it's just, I just sometimes feel like I've just been cutting for a really long time and I, it's better to do it for longer and the right way than to do it like, you know, the wrong way. And like, you know, just speed through it. And then you end up feeling like, re like really bad and your training suffers because my training hasn't suffered at all. I, I continue to get stronger every week. You know, I'm like pushing 316 pounds on the V squat machine. Like I'm getting better every week, you know, and I'm definitely holding on to muscle and, um, you know, so yeah, but, um, I don't know. I've just been having a lot of conflicting thoughts. So that's why I'm talking about them here because, you know, I'm not, I don't like to let, I, I like to think about my thoughts for a while and kind of just sit with them and mull them over. I don't like to make, you know, impulsive decisions or anything like that. I just like to, you know, sit with my thoughts for as long as I need to, and just consider all the considerations and not even make any moves or take any actions, but you know, life is, life is pulling me in a lot of different directions and just thinking about it. Um, so I'm just sharing my thoughts because maybe you guys can relate to this in some way. Um, cause like part of me is like, I don't even want to compete like at all. Like I really don't. Um, <clears throat> and it was hard to come to that decision because I know I would be really good at it. And I feel like by me saying that I don't want to, it almost sounds like I'm afraid to do something that I'd be good at, if that makes sense. And it's like, I'm giving up on my potential and that's not the case. Um, the reason I don't want to do it is because I feel that the such a big emphasis on the prepping aspect for the show is obviously reducing your food intake. And it's definitely a little, a bit more extreme than, you know, what I'm doing now. And, um, it's not that I don't think that I have the mental fortitude and the physical fortitude to do it. I absolutely could. I could, but it's like, just because you can, doesn't mean you necessarily want to, you know, I could go skydiving, but I don't want to, you know? Um, and for me, like, I've just, I don't know. I love bodybuilding so much, but I don't feel the need to compete. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel the need to prove myself. I don't feel the need to like step on stage and stand next to other people and be compared, you know, like, I just, I don't feel the need to do that because like, I'm comparing myself to where I started and, um, you know, the physique that I personally like, um, I feel like doesn't necessarily fit into a category, if, like a bodybuilding category, because basically like I like the figure look, you know, 
but with like slightly bigger glutes, if that makes sense, um, than like the standard figure, you know, um, and I love training glutes too. So like, I love the, you know, the hip thrust machine, like that thing is so much fun. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking like, you know, for me, the gym is like an adult playground. <laughs> um, and I do this, I'm just thinking like, I do this for fun. Like, it's not that serious for me. Like the, like the, the desire to compete, like at the end of the day, I do this for fun. And I've been tracking macros for so long through cuts, through bulks, through maintenance phases that like, I feel like it would be pretty effortless for me, um, to be able to eat intuitively and not like fuck up my body composition. Like that would come so naturally to me because I just, I, I've done this before, you know, and, um, obviously intuitively, if I were to just start eating intuitively right now, you know, I mean, I don't think that I would eat intuitively. I think I would still kind of keep an eye on my portions because obviously I'm cutting. So I think I would still stick to amounts that would be a calorie deficit for me about where I am now. I just wouldn't necessarily weigh or measure things. And I may be a bit more flexible about, you know, having certain things or at certain times of day or something like that. But it's like, the basics don't just go out the window. Like I would still stick to my regular meals. I would still stick to having <clears throat> like intra workout carbs and all that stuff. It's just, it would be like, I just wouldn't be measuring the almond milk that I put into my coffee, or I wouldn't be measuring out my cream of rice because I know about, you know, the amount that I'm having now anyway. Um, or, you know, maybe if normally I would have like a salad with some tofu and veggies and a little bit of potatoes, you know, I may decide, you know, I'm, I'm not really in the mood for the potatoes. I think I want to put a little bit of rice in here instead and eat this with chips where I might not normally have the chips. You know what I'm saying? So, and not measure it or, you know, then adjust my other macros to fit that. You know what I mean? So like, I think I'd still be in the range that I would need to be, whether it's a calorie deficit, a maintenance phase or a bulking phase, because I've done this before, you know? Um, and obviously like, I have no problem like monitoring my weight. So that would be, and like measurements. So that would be a good way to kind of gauge like how accurate I'm being, um, you know, with my estimations, I guess, without actually tracking anything. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be bringing this up with my coach because in the next check-in, just because, um, you know, obviously it's important to have accountability with all of this stuff. And like, you know, some people, if they were in my position, they would stop working with their coach because they'd be like, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. This is what I want. Blah, blah. Whereas me, I don't see it that way. When you're working with a coach, if your goals change a little bit, or if you need to do something a little bit differently, you need to communicate that with your coach because your coach might say, you know, they may agree. They may be like, yeah, like, let's work this in, you know, they may want to keep some structure in there with, for you, you know, and still use ways of like gauging your progress and everything. But, you know, they, good coaches want to help you reach your personal goals. And if your personal, personal goals change a little bit, then the coach is going to change what they're like, how like they're going to change their approach to help you with those goals you know again that doesn't mean we're going to throw everything out the window but you know the the basics still matter you know protein in every meal 
you know, portions, still be eating micronutrient rich foods, you know, all the basics, you know, still continue to train just like you normally do all the things, but sometimes little adjustments can be made if you really, really need that at this point in time. And like, if you decide that you need that, and then, you know, a month later, you're like, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to tracking. I kind of miss that structure, you know, because I could see that being me, you know, at some point. And so, you know, I really think that, you know, it's just very person dependent, but you need to communicate this stuff with your coach, because if they don't know what you're going through, what you're thinking about, what your goals are, short-term and long-term, if you change your mind, whatever, like they need to know. And that's what they're there for, to help you with that. So just because your, your goals shift a little bit and then maybe they shift back, who knows? But, you know, that's the ebb and flow of life and your coach can help you with that. So that's not a reason to quit coaching. Um, I'm just putting that out there. So, um, so yeah. Um, and I do think it's, you know, if you were for people to intuitively eat during a bulking phase, that's a little bit harder because not everyone has done bulking phases where they tracked before and they know how they're supposed to feel. They know what those portions look like. Um, so this is not something that I recommend you do if you're kind of like a newbie at this, but if you've been doing this shit for a few years or longer and you're very experienced um, and you know what you need, like, you know, I really don't see anything wrong with doing that. Um, as long as you're not like planning to like compete in the near future. Like, honestly, I think it's fine to have some flexibility there. I really do. I know not everyone will agree with me, but you know, if I had clients who were in my situation, um, you know, I would adapt things to fit their needs, honestly. And, you know, I would explain, like, let's say they wanted to do that, but then they also had very, very ambitious goals, like in the near future, you know, um, I would say, you know, this may not be ideal for your goals, for these goals, are you okay with that? You know? So I think that's also a conversation that has to be had as well, because sometimes clients will say they have goals, certain goals. And then the way that they want to go about it is like very incompatible with those goals. Um, especially if they're not as experienced with doing the things they need to do to get to those goals that they haven't really put in the time yet to kind of earn the, the flexibility that they want to have. I think it's something that you kind of have to put in the time first. Um, so yeah, it's really person dependent. It's really situation dependent, but I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, I just don't want everyone to think that they can bulk intuitively or cut intuitively because your intuition doesn't want to do that. Your intuition is, you know, your body wanting to stay at homeostasis. Um, you know, it's a survival mechanism, <laughs> um, you know, part of evolution, It you know, and your body adapts to what you're doing. Um, and so, yeah, you, you kind of, you kind of aren't going to have those cues, um, that match the goals you have necessarily. So that's why it's important to have a lot of experience first so that, you know, not to necessarily rely on your intuition, you know, in terms of your food choices, you know, if you are intuitively craving broccoli instead of a salad, you know what I mean? You can intuitively decide that, but you still need to have the vegetable. You know what I'm saying? Or let's say you intuitively want to have a few more bites of rice than you would have had if you had measured it out. Then you can intuitively do that. And you know, a few bites of something on a random day is not gonna make or break your physique, okay? Um, 
because our maintenance calories, it's like a range of a couple hundred anyway. So really like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so yeah. Um, and then as far as like going back to what I said about, like, you know, just thinking about my career path, um, it's kind of in line with what I've been talking about, honestly, that, you, you know, um, believing in full recovery. And like, I found an organization that, um, believes in this and I'm not going to, you know, name anything and what it is like, you know, but you know, it, I'm, I'm a big fan of this organization and, um, they have a thing where, you know, they hire peer mentors and that would be the job that I'm looking to do because basically you work with someone who's in eating disorder recovery and you work with their treatment team. So you're working alongside like professionals and you kind of work as a team together and the peer mentor is basically someone who's just there during the day to support, um, you know, people who are recovering from eating disorders and you get involved with like their family and helping their family to support them. And, you know, it's mainly for like adolescents, um, but it's a growing, it's a, it's a rapidly growing organization. And so, um, you know, eventually they are going to be expanding and working with adults as well. But I think right now it's mostly adolescents. Um, and yeah, I'm just a big fan of this organization and I think it would be such, so amazing to be able to work with them because it's like a family-based therapy approach. And like, if you're someone and you live with your family and you're trying to recover from an eating disorder, like your family can be such a huge support system if they know what to do. And if they are, you know, supported and educated on how they can best help you. And that's what this program includes. Um, and I also like their approach. It's like a food first approach as opposed to let's just go to therapy and focus on all of the underlying causes, you know, of why you have this eating disorder. Like maybe you were bullied in middle school. Maybe it's because of the divorce. Maybe it's because, of, you know, of these things that happened like 12,000 years ago, you know, but then there's no focus on actually eating <laughs> or actually reducing or stopping binging and purging behaviors or binging behaviors, like where, like there's very little focus on that. And a lot of, um, you know, outpatient treatment programs. And what I like about this is that it's a food first approach where that's what the support re and the training for that support for the parents and the treatment, like that's where it all starts. And they still have a therapist. They still have access to all the help that they need, but no longer is the food being neglected because we need to heal our bodies. When you have an eating disorder, your body gets like fucked up in so many ways. And um, food is medicine. It is medicine. And if you neglect that part, it's going to be a revolving door situation for you. Believe me, I've been there and I've seen it happen to people. And those are the people who are in and out of treatment all the time, or maybe they just give up completely and they just rot at home in their disorder and they never truly get better. And, um, you know, because they're always, they're never truly getting the nourishment that they need. And in order for your mind to heal and actually benefit from the therapy, you need that nutrition to heal not only your body, but your mind. And if you're just not getting it, like, I'm sorry, but you're never going to recover. And I know that sounds really, really harsh, but it's, I know this from experience and I have seen it happen to so many people because I've been to treatment and, um, 
<clears throat> you know, I'm friends with a lot of people from treatment on Facebook and it just, it seems like it's just a revolving door for them. And um, there's a, there's, well, there's many reasons why, but like, if you, if you don't get the food right, if you don't get the food into your body and nourish yourself, you have no fighting chance. You just don't. And again, I know this from experience because I've been to places where they didn't fully weight restore me or they didn't, I think they underfed me, honestly. And um, it was pretty obvious. And when I came out, you know, I, my mind was still so fucked up. And um, also I was very resistant and very defiant when it came to all things recovery. And um, I was the hopeless case. And so that's why I'm just so passionate about full recovery because I know that there are a lot of other people who believe that they are a hopeless case too. And um, you're not, (laughs) that is a symptom of the disorder. I promise that is a symptom of the disorder. So if you don't have the disorder anymore, you're not a hopeless case. Um, But getting to that point is really, really hard. And any support that you can get is something that is really important. So the fact that they mentor the parents and they also the patients and the fact that this is something that people can do at home as opposed to having to travel like halfway across the country or all the way across to get subpar treatment that's like not even helpful. Um, And sometimes insurance doesn't even fully cover it. So it's like basically a waste of time and money um, and resources. Like this is completely different. This is like, this is just very amazing. And, um, and it's like actually evidence-based, which is really great because there's no standard of care when it comes to eating disorder treatment. Fun fact about that, you know, a lot of it's just like feel opinions um, of complete morons. (laughs) This is a very backwards field. The mental health field in general is very backwards, but especially with eating disorders, there's very little regulation. There's very little, you know, evidence-based treatment. And this is evidence-based. So this is like the best case scenario. Like, you know, so I'm kind of, you know, in a place where I'm really considering embarking on this career path and, um, you know, looking for opportunities with this organization, because I want something that gets me up and I'm excited to do it. Something that I'm very passionate about. And like, as you can see, I'm very passionate about this. I could talk about this shit for hours, um, but I won't bore you. So, you know, something that I really want to do. So I'm definitely, I have my eyes open and I will be reaching out to them at some point and just asking if they have any openings for this. And if they don't, can they put me on a list and just give me more information about it? And, um, yeah, so that's really going to be my starting point, um, with that. And yeah, so that's really it for this podcast. Um, if you have any topics you want me to talk about, um, let me know on Instagram, just send me a DM if you listen to this. And if you listen to it and you enjoy it and you want to support me in continuing to do this podcast and spread the word, like, holy shit, this podcast is amazing. You should all listen to it. Um, Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it in your Instagram story and make sure to tag me so that I see it. And I'll give you a little shout out too. I'll repost it. Um, And yeah. So if you also, like I said in the beginning, If you want to be my co-host for this podcast, just send me a DM. It's going to be Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time that we'll be recording. Uh, If that works for you, let me know. Um, Yeah, so until the next time, bye. (laughs) I don't know what else to say, but that's it.